troubled times, our fifth objective, a new world order can emerge. Live from Admiral, oh wait, riding shotgun on Admiral Byrd's airplane as we're dodging alien spaceships that are Nazi symbols on them. Fair. Looking for <laughs> looking for the hole on the pole. Pull this, on the pole. <laughs> this is uh, This Week in Conspiracy. My name is Justin. And I'm Brad. And like always, what do you have on your shirt there? Who is that? Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, the sweet Earth, Wind, and Fire shirt. She's not on her phone. No, she's not eating. She's not eating though. Little shit, 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 shitty ass dirt ball. Pew, pew, pew. Choo, choo, choo. <laughs> Tonight, we have a special guest. You might hear him laughing in the back. I think this is your fourth time, isn't it, Jim? I think about it is. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been. Nice to be back. Our uh, native Our local local alien expert. Yeah. I'll take that. I appreciate that. Jim, Jim, how are you, man? Not too bad. The podcast that I used to do ceases to exist. So yeah, I haven't you know, seen for a while. I was wondering what the hell was going on. So yeah, welcome, I don't even welcome know, our really. new talent. <laughs> for the summer months, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind this. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. He brought pizza. He's allowed to stay. He did bring pizza. I didn't know you guys were doing this summer fast, though. I'm gonna have to just eat all that pizza. I'm sure if you take it home, it will be devoured. It will be. Yeah, it won't last long. I'll eat some of it. Okay, I'll break my fast. Thanks. You already had Thanks, a piece. Justin. You did break it. Oh, I already broke it. Yeah. So what we were going to talk about, this is kind of this is kind of like a filler episode, I guess, right? We're going to, so when Brad's sitting on the beach, we can put this up. Whoop, whoop. So Brad's sitting on the beach somewhere. But we're, you, you wanted to talk about the holes in the poles. We could do that. I think I would excel at filler episodes. That feels <laughs> like my sweet spot right there. Well, usually we talk just about news. We can talk, well... So, but I mean, like, you know, we're kind of topical, but we're, this is going right. to go out a little later, so... We could. So, I did a presentation at MUFON Mutual UFO Network in Pittsburgh uh, a month or two ago. Bill Burns was supposed to be there at this one, but he got sick, and so I let it off. I called it Holes in the Poles. It was about hollow earth, and sometimes I like to do presentations where... I'm not totally behind the idea, but I want to see what's out there, and... I think there's at least enough out there that it can make you think a little bit about what's going on under the surface. Well, they told they told us in the Godzilla movie, <laughs> yeah, that there is holes at the pole, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he goes into Hollow Earth. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that. I'm sure you guys talk about it on the show that long-standing theory that Hollywood is basically piece by piece telling you mm, what's true, actually yeah. happening, right. but you just got to pick out the pieces. Yeah. Well, I this all. The, I, we're joking around about Admiral Byrd. Yeah. But he had his story was he flew up. Was it the, it was Antarctica, correct? Ah, is well. Is that technically down? Well, whatever, down, yeah. <laughs> so there's like. I, me and you say there's flat, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like three different, and I can skip ahead because like while we're talking, I got like my whole presentation over here. There were about three different bird missions at least. Okay. And one of the big covers is on one of the missions, some people have gone side rabbit hole where Operation High Jump to Antarctica, but some people said that was just a cover because he was actually at the time up at the Arctic and flying back into the hollow earth. So 
Do you want to kick it off by talking about Admiral Byrd or where you want to start this thing? That's fine. I mean, let's. What's your, what's your first slide, dude? Well, let's, let's start it off. How, you do an intro. how I started my presentation is I want to try to build up a good case. And we have so many places in the solar system where A, crazy stuff is going on at the pools, or B, might actually be hollow. So let me just fly through just a couple of them real fast. You guys can stop me if you need to. Number one, Jupiter, biggest plant in the solar system, has crazy stuff going on up at the poles. They've got currently, currently, okay. They've got perfectly geometric polygon cyclones huh. on Jupiter, and astronomers can't explain it. And the line that I like, this comes from a Vice article, is scientists have suggested suggested it hints at the need for entirely new physics to explain it. The really crazy one, though, is Saturn. When the Cassini mission went by their super successful NASA mission, it spotted an enormous hexagon at the North Pole. And a hexagon, aside from like tiny atomic structure, this is not a shape that occurs naturally. And still to this day, and it discovered it back in 20, oh, 2009, and they still have no idea why that one's actually there. So to me... And maybe this is out there a little bit. I see something like this, and I think alien mega structure. Because the crazy thing is NASA is looking for super mega structures out there that civilizations could build. Like the visual that I have here is called a Dyson Swarm. <laughs> and the idea behind a Dyson Swarm is a civilization could get advanced enough, they could actually surround their whole sun with a swarm of satellites to get the energy. All oh, right. Level up from that is Dyson Sphere. You build a gigantic sphere around the entire star. The Death Star. Yeah, basically, to get 100% of the energy. And humans right now use a millionth billionth. So I see something like that, and I wonder, could we have alien megastructures really close? The really trippy thing to me, and maybe this is too far out there, but I think about the hexagon shape at Saturn's pole, and then I think about the rings, and I think... Is there a chance, could a civilization get advanced enough to basically encode something right in the rings? And once humans get advanced enough to actually get the message out of the rings, basically like a huge phonograph record like we've sent into space, uh, we could actually figure out how to actually get out of the solar system. So Jupiter and Saturn are weird. The other ones that are weird, do you guys know anything about Mars's asteroid moon Phobos? No. Oh, I've heard of it. Phobos yeah. is nuts. Let me tell you just a little bit about Phobos. So Mars and Earth are the only inner solar system plants, the terrestrial worlds, that actually have moons. Yeah. We have one moon, Luna. Mars has two, and they're two captured asteroids. So two little asteroids got close enough to Mars. At some point, Mars sucked them in with its gravitational pull. Phobos and Deimos, their names mean fear and panic in Latin. Phobos is nuts. Every time the Soviet Union tries to land something on it, Russia today, something crazy happens. And so the weird thing about it is the gravity readings indicate it is mostly hollow inside. And there is actually a Soviet scientist way back in 1958, Joseph Shulkovsky, basically said the acceleration of this moon, because it's eventually going to hit Mars, is only possible if it's hollow inside. And he suggested a sheet metal structure a hollow iron sphere that is 16 kilometers wide, only six centimeters thick. And so the only mainstream explanation scientists can come up for Phobos 
is it's basically a big rubble pile that's covered in dust so it looks like an asteroid, which to me is complete garbage because like the tidal forces of Mars would rip it apart. Don't they have that same type of theory about our moon? Like it may be hollow as well? Oh, <clears throat> oh, that's... We're getting there, I, I was We're getting to the moon. Well, recently, yeah. there's some stuff happening with our poles. They're moving. Yes. Um, Elon Musk lost a bunch of satellites because we talked about yeah. it probably six, eight months ago. Nah, maybe six months ago probably or so. Probably something like that. He lost like... Was it, it was like a whole oh, rocket full. Yeah. Starlinks. Yeah, because yeah. of the way the poles, something was moving in the poles and the, the gravitational things moved and, and a solar flare hit it and didn't protect it. Yeah. And he lost a bunch of satellites. So, I mean, there's some stuff happening. Oh, yeah. With ours, yeah. too. And- so, like, for listeners, just so you understand, there's a difference between geographic north and south and magnetic north and south, which Brad's alluding to. And so we have known, and I learned about this way back in college, Earth's magnetic field every couple thousand years flips. North becomes south, south becomes north. And geologists confirm this. It's kind of cool how they do it. Do you guys know how they do it? It's pretty sweet. So when lava hardens in the rock, any little iron grains in it basically act like miniature compass needles and they will orient themselves in the lava as as it's hardening to magnetic north so for a couple thousand years when they look at the mid-oceanic ridge where the crust is spreading out in the Atlantic all the little iron inclusions are pointed this way then a couple thousand years they're all pointed this way and so as you guys said before we started recording we are overdue for another big magnetic pull flip. And so you're exactly right, Brad. The magnetic field of the Earth has been wandering more rapidly and they can't totally explain it, which some people say supports a hollow Earth. They basically say there's another sphere inside this sphere that is somewhat moving independently of the crust. Okay. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> now, I feel good when I get stuff right. <laughs> Now, craziest thing with Phobos. Did you guys ever hear about the Soviet probe that disappeared Phobos 2? No. Oh, how have you not heard about this one? This is really good lore. Because we're not like you, dude. Oh, well, this, I mean, you're into conspiracies, though. <laughs> I know, but... So, this was Soviet Phobos 2. As it got close to the moon Phobos, something hit into it and totally destroyed the probe. Out of nowhere. Probe got totally destroyed. Now, the Soviets were pretty open about this, and they actually sent one of their test pilots, Marina Popovich, on a speaking tour. And she actually showed the last picture that Phobos 2 took. So, and I'm showing people here in the studio. Right there, you can see the moon Phobos. And then that little bright line right there is what hit it and nasa tried to say no 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 no. that's just an image artifact the soviets are mistaken there's nothing there but then the crazy thing this picture came out Uh, there was a huge elliptical shaped shadow racing across the surface of the moon right before the probe got destroyed and then the urban legend with this one is there was one or two more images but it terrified the soviets so much they just went directly to the vatican on it so that was a weird one. The last thing that's weird the on Phobos, holy shit, yeah, is think back to like Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. So this is on the surface of Phobos right now. It's called the Phobos Monolith, and it basically looks like a huge rectangular prism yeah. making a rectangular shadow. And if it was just that, I'd be like, okay, it's a rectangular rock. But the intriguing thing is Buzz Aldrin was on C-SPAN. And so here's an exact buzz quote. There's a monolith there, 
a very unusual structure on this little potato-shaped object that goes around Mars once every seven hours. When people find out about it, they're going to say, who put it there? Who put it there? Well, the universe put it there, or if you choose, God put it there. So Phobos might be hollow inside. So that leaves us with one of the more mysterious objects out there is the moon. Brad, you had mentioned it earlier. What do you got on hollow moon? Well, I know we've talked about it. Justin is actually probably more into it but didn't we I, I think if i remember right you had said that they actually hit it with something like a rock or something yeah. and it echoed for yeah. days yeah. or some shit like yeah, yeah, that yeah yeah no you but you guys are quick, spot on. before yeah. we get up because no, you talked it. about the monolith mm -hmm. wasn't what wasn't the uh our first moon landing isn't there something where they said they were actually joking about they were going to land and say just like in that movie on one of the moon landings that they come, they come down and they say, like, I, there's a line in Kubrick's film where they find the monolith. In 2001, yeah. Yeah. And there's a story I read somewhere where they were on the ship going and they were like, we should, we should land and we should radio back that we saw this, mo like a monolith, just like in the movie. But then they were like, well, we probably freak everybody out, so we better not. No, the, I swear. As I much as thing. I read Apollo history, I never have heard that. If if that's true, my guess is it would have been Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins talking about mm -hmm. Neil Armstrong was such a straight shooter. There's no right. way he would. That's fascinating. Yeah, I never I heard that story. I swear I read it or heard it on something. But I like, always think they should have jumped off and been like, Oh, it's after me! Yeah, they run, the like, camera came running back to the, to the uh, like uh, running from the, the ladder. Oh shit! <laughs> it kicked, kicked us up. Yeah. Do you, that reminds me. Do you guys ever see the movie Apollo eighteen? Is that the one where like disappeared? They disappeared. It was like yeah, 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 yeah. It was way better than I thought it would be. Yeah. It was solid. Yeah, it was what, solid. I remember one time being up late at night listening to uh, Coast to Coast, like going to the bathroom. Like yeah. you like walk in the bathroom and like your pain turn the light on. My radio would turn on. Mm -hmm. And like, well, we weren't all sophisticated like you guys. <laughs> but it was, it was talking about, he was talking about moon landing. So yeah. I, it was interesting. So I sat, I was like, set, I'm like sitting on the edge of my shower listening. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about, this guy was talking about when we landed, there, there was all kinds of other like shuttle up there already. We've been there like numerous times. Oh, see, I love that theory because I'm up to like. 13 different hypotheses on what could have happened on the Apollo missions because the whole thing fascinates me and one of the ones that I definitely kick around is is there a chance we got there earlier than 1969 with an extension of Nazi anti-gravity technology that we had tail end of World War II because as early as 1958 the U.S. Army had uh, and it eventually got released a secret program called Project Horizon where they intended to build a lunar base right. by the late 50s. And so one of the fascinating things to me, when you look at the odd ways that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin reacted in the years following that, and, and some of the later Apollo crews too, I think to myself, like, what, what would that be like to those men to get to the moon, not see extraterrestrials, but already see like an active human colony there <laughs> with a couple German Hanaboos sitting on the surface? Like, that would have to be really, really humiliating. But I think, you know, there's at least a chance of that because we know that the Germans were working on those Hanaboos in the late 1930s and we brought as much of that stuff back here as we could. Well, I think this guy was even alluding to like further civilizations prior to us were up there. Oh. From like this planet, like prior. Well, there are because 
a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Wow. Yeah. So they may have crashed into our moon. And then um, Indiana Jones, when he was in the pyramids, there's a square with R2-D2 and C-3PO on it. So that was just the 30s, dude. We be, like we, we knew they were here yeah, already. No, but he I think he met like <laughs> just, No, no, I know you're kidding around. Gracious. No, I know you're joking. But like prior civilizations that were more advanced that failed later, you know what I mean? Oh, so they were basically like there to, or something. They were oh. advanced civilization already on the moon. Oh, died yeah. Off. Oh. That's what that, that's what this guy was alluding to, but I I've heard what you're talking about too, like the Nazis made it up. Oh no, I I definitely understand what you're saying because uh, in the 1950s NASA convened what once NASA was formed they convened what was called the Brookings Report. Yeah. That was like a think tank with the top scientists, top military officials. Werner von Braun was there, and a couple Who? of the Nazi Hail Hitler, Werner von Braun, <laughs> former SS, one of the heads of NASA. Um, but they came to two big conclusions. They said it would be very likely when the United States explored the inner planets of the solar system and the moon that they would find remnants of previous civilizations that had been there. And the second conclusion they came to was we needed to keep this secret from the public because the public would not be able to handle it. And so a lot of people think like how they, use they are the still operating <clears throat> under the Brookings report today. So It's probably like that... Um... Did you ever see that meme where Elon Musk, they're like in a spaceship and they're landed on Mars and he's like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be the first people to ever step foot on Mars. And like the door opens and they yeah. like walk out and that black dude that this is the Navy SEAL and he's, oh, like, he's, like, yeah, he's like running across he's like, where are you Mars. Been, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I ran this whole way, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, next stop, Venus. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you look at where some of the Apollo missions were, like weird thing. Apollo 12 and Apollo 14 landed, I think, less than 100 miles apart from each other. So if you think about it, officially, the only official Apollos that landed on the moon, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, that's only six of them. And yeah. you had the whole lunar near side. So to land two of them within 100 miles of each other, some people think that they found something there on Apollo 12, then they went One back to see it for Apollo 14. Yeah. Well, but, they all... Yeah. Like, even, like, the rovers on Mars, uh -huh. they're all, like, in the same general area. And that's one I of the frustrating things. I always wonder why we do that. Yes, I completely agree with that. And um, one of the theories is NASA knows where some of the other areas are that are of genuine interest. And so they basically keep the rovers away from those areas. Like, when Viking 1 and 2 accidentally photographed the face on Mars... NASA drug their feet for another 20 years until they actually orbited a mission back over that area. So, yeah, I totally Wait agree. Wait until, like, the, the... Mars Global Dirt and stuff, like, blew uh -huh, over. Yeah, so that was one idea. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, there's right. the door, the thing that looks like the door. I just saw that, that. yeah. That's yeah. pretty neat looking. Or then when China had a rover on the lunar far side, which is super impressive. Yeah. We never landed anything like that on the far side. Far side is tough because you don't have a direct line of contact with the Earth. So for a far side rover to even work, you also have to orbit a probe around the moon. The rover beams a signal to the orbiter, which then beams it to Earth. The Chinese described finding a hut on the lunar far side. They called it a hut. So all kinds of weird stuff. But speaking of the moon being hollow, uh, Jay, you are totally right. Here's what actually hit the moon. <clears throat> Apollo 12 second man mission. And this was a 
really fun crew. This was uh, Dick Gordon, Pete Conrad, Al Bean. Paul 11 guys didn't get along with each other. Paul 12 guys, they were all about, though. They were great. So they crashed the lunar module into the moon's surface after uh, they had redocked. That's right. And they were hoping to trigger the seismic center sensors that Apollo 11 left. And so on that one, the LEM impacted 40 miles from the landing site, and then the moon rang like a bell for an hour. Now, Apollo 13, they outdid that. Even though everybody knows about the explosion, they didn't land on the moon. They could still do some science. So NASA had the crew <clears throat> deorbit the S-4B, which is the empty rocket stage that is still traveling with them due to momentum. So it would fly around the moon with them. So they had them change the trajectory so it hit into the moon. And so this was 85 miles from the Apollo 12 landing site but it was 11 times more powerful, the impact. The moon rang like a gong and it took over three hours to dissipate. So the only way this is possible is if big parts of the moon are hollow inside. And this isn't a conspiracy. In 2013, this was a cool mission. NASA launched the Grail. They were two twin space probes that would orbit around the moon beside each other. And due to the gravitational anomalies in the moon, it would ever so slightly change the distance between the probes as they orbited. So that's how they were able to calculate these areas. So crazy thing about the moon, we not only have big hollow areas, we also have these. This is a gravity map of the moon and underneath almost all these mare, these big seas on the near side, are these big red areas. These are called mascons and that's short for mass concentration. They accidentally found these things during the Apollo missions because the gravity of these mascons was distorting the orbits of the actual space probes that went to photograph the moon. And so officially they are sunk in magma chambers, but some scientists say they're not at the right depth for magma chambers. So if you're really into the hollow moon theory, some people think a more advanced civilization is using this as basically an observation post of the earth. And that is actually the remnants of what they used to hollow out big parts of it inside. So, I mean, we could do a whole thing on hollow moon, but I basically did this as my intro to basically show, hey, we've got Jupiter and Saturn, weird things are happening at the poles. We got Phobos and Mars, largely hollow inside. So once you see other places in the solar system, it's not a big stretch to think the Earth might be at least partially hollow inside. If there were magma chambers, wouldn't that mean that like the moon was... A planet at one time like in it, order to have like a you know what i mean right. to have active volcanoes and, and lava and all that stuff they would have right. to have had some sort of atmosphere even if it wasn't a ha habitable atmosphere it would i i don't think it would necessarily have to have an atmosphere but they know for sure it was definitely a lot hotter like the whole reason we have the man in the moon those dark areas are called mare which is latin for seas because before telescopes were invented, people looked up there and they thought these were actually oceans. We know now they're oceans of a different type. They're basically old lava floodplains. And all but one of the Apollo missions landed in the mare because it was generally flatter and safer to land. So to your point, Brad, the moon definitely was hot at one point, And that happens partly from radioactive decay, partly from the heat of impacts. But then some people think partly because the civilization was already hollowing out the inside of this thing. So, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty nuts. <laughs>
So I basically got in my presentation, I basically got into the Nazis. Then I did a little background on Nazi secret. Wait, is there still a bell? Is there still a bell oh, here that here. you guys ring? Okay. <laughs> I, I remember that from last time. I forgot. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, we I, are the Nazis now compared to, that's why. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's what CNN would call us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's crazy, though, is like how the media vilifies it. But then if you actually study your history, like not only through Operation Paperclip, but like the United States brought as many of those guys here as they could. And I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just in the space program, but it was all over. It was. Uh, They brought as many German ministers as propaganda here as they could, Mm. because even though it was atrocious what the Nazis did, the United States was secretly blown away how were you able to collectively brainwash an entire country to get them behind one cause and to think that exterminating these different races was okay? So when you look at the strategy that the Nazis use, and then when you see the our media now. today, it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, they, they haven't missed a beat yeah. on this one. You know? yeah, I mean, and if you look even you know, CNN and Fox News, mm-hmm. it's the same crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the same crap. You can say a lot of things about the Nazis. They were extremely effective. Oh yeah. I mean, everything they did, they pulled it off with immense like efficiency. efficiency. Germans are efficient, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but it was everything was they the the all the propaganda. I mean, every, down to the, everything was perfect. Yeah, right? and you know who some of the first people that they got were the doctors, the yeah. medical the yeah. medical yeah. field. Were that, well, they're the ones that because did they can come on and be like. We know we're doctors. Mm-hmm. That's what they're you doing know. now. That's what they do now, right? They've been doing it for. I mean, I'm sure someday they'll come in and measure my brain and be like, "See, it's smaller than ours." Yeah, of he course. Was a conservative. <laughs> what yeah, was why yeah. it's smaller? <laughs> what was really alarming to me during the COVID sequence is, you know, prior to that, people thought, "Well, what happened in World War II will never happen again." We've grown <laughs> so much, but a lot of the parallels were very, very uncomfortable for me. Like. When you looked at when the Germans started to target the Jews, it was Jews are dirty, Jews spread disease. First, they have to be isolated to their own parts of the city. Now that's not enough. We can't have them have businesses anymore. Now we have to start isolating them in special places to keep that safe from everybody. And then when you look at the parallels with COVID, it became the unvaccinated. It was the unvaccinated are spreading disease. They're dangerous. If you're unvaccinated, you're not going to be able to work in certain places. Then it got to the point like in Australia, pretty terrifying. They started to take those away. They started to take the kids and and vaccinate them against the parents will. And I just saw this. I thought this is really terrifying. We haven't we haven't progressed at all in 60 years. And I'm actually surprised they stopped when they did. Like, I really think. Do you remember when uh, the Mandalorian actress Gina Carcano got fired by Disney? Yeah. If you actually look at what she said, she said, hey, back during World War II, like the Nazis did not have enough SS and enough Nazis to enforce this across the entire country. They had to rely on Germans giving each other up. Yeah. And she's basically like, everybody just needs to stand together and support their neighbor. Well, like that was enough for Disney to fire. But I really thought to myself, like think back to the peak of COVID. If the United States had basically started a hotline, like, hey, if you suspect that your neighbors are not vaccinated, call this number. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they would be Oh, we would have had neighbors. Yeah. I would have called and told myself. We would have had <laughs> neighbors. Look, we come back. I can remember we come back from the beach. 
So, what they locked us down in 20 in March, April, May. So, we went to the beach in July because some of the stuff started to open back up. So, my daughter was so excited. She got her friend that lives catty corner from yeah. us something. She runs over and the grandmother's like, oh, you just came back from there, from North oh, Carolina. Man. You have to, you you can't be around anybody. Dude, my daughter was dev. Oh, Dude, I bet. she was like six. I bet. Or, well, seven or eight. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean. She's a kid. But the little girl was playing with the neighbor who they just come back the week before from North Carolina. Yeah. And I told my daughter, I said, look, it throughout history, they will call. I said, if we were hiding somebody to protect their life, mm -hmm. like the Jews, we were hiding Jews in our basement, they would call on us. Those are the people that would call the Nazis and report us for hiding people. Mm -hmm. No, that's what people always like. How could that happen? How could we just watch it we happen? Watched. Yeah, right. I mean, it wasn't extreme like that. No, it could I, have been very easy. I tell you what, the, you know what, you know what stopped it? The fact that it didn't kill people. Mm -hmm. We yeah. know we can look back now and see that do like in my neighborhood. Like I like to use my neighborhood as an example because I live where everybody around me is in their seventies now. Mm -hmm. None of my neighbors died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which means it wasn't that bad. If they would have staggered out the door and fell over dead, I'd have been like, yep, time to lock up. Well, people don't realize how quick and easy that can happen. Mm -hmm. I, I read a, an article about someone, I was a teacher, and it was like the 60s, did a study in his school where he had each kid get up. Like, he was doing an experiment where, like, the kids would get up and, like, do an oath every morning. It, it took a week. Yeah. By the end of the week, other kids were telling on other kids. And all this other shit. And then he's like, they started a whole new, like, political party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, other kids from other schools were coming to their school to join this party. And they had a, he's like, every there's going to be a big announcement this Friday. And the auditorium, we're going to, the, the leader's going to come on and tell us what we're going to do, right? And, like, half the school was there and all these kids. And he just played, at, like, videos of, like, Nazi youth doing exercises. And all the kids were like, holy shit. Like oh, they, you know what I mean? Like they figured out like this is how it happens. Yeah. Like they were telling on other kids and getting them kicked out of class. Right. Like he had like the dirt. Like all these kids were getting in trouble. Go to the library. They they failed and they're out. Mm. And like they all turned on each other. Yeah, it doesn't take. And like the people that stood up were the first ones to go. Yeah, I think yeah. that that more than anything to me was the di most disheartening aspect of the whole COVID sequence, because I think a lot of people, at least since, you know, early 2000s, haven't totally trusted even our own government. Like that part was to be somewhat expected, but just to see how people treated other people, I'm just like, holy hell, like this is the exact same sequence that got all of Germany to do what they did. And it's like, they haven't, they haven't even respected people enough to change the playbook at all. No. Same exact playbook, mm -hmm. but enough time passed Enough people totally don't understand history. They just well, never saw the. It, all they did was bring the Nazis over here and stick them in positions. Well, of it power. also totally. Ah, uh, you'll you'll work at Harvard and you'll you'll be the president of Yale and you be the president of NASA. Yep. You be the president of you know this big hospital. Right. Because you you put twins in tanks and you put one of them in a wetsuit and you let the other one freeze to death so you could see if the, so you go here and work in the children's ward. That's what we did. Yeah, I know. And those people were teaching. They taught the kids of the 60s. Mm -hmm. Those kids of the 60s are in charge now. Mm -hmm. But like you, our medical system has went from, I mean, it wasn't before. It wasn't great. And before COVID, but it is shit. It's dead. Yeah. Wow. We're like 
I wouldn't go to the doctor for. I, I'm afraid of the hospital. Right I am. Mm-hmm. It's bad. My wife works in the field. It's terrible. We should get back to Nazis. And yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't get anything accomplished yeah. on this show. <laughs> so there are a number of Nazi secret societies. There was the Order of the Black Sun. There was the Ananerbi Society. And the one that I want... Oh, there was the Vril Society, the Vril. which we could get into yeah. in another episode. That's the one with the long-haired chicks. Yes. They, they were trying to... They grew the hair long because they thought they could be receivers and antennas, and they potentially communicated with um, a civilization from the Aldebaran soul system. But the one I want to mention was the Thule Society. So the Thule... The people that make the bike racks. <laughs> We, you know, we laugh about it, but like, how many of those names do you see again and again today? I know. And is it really just a coincidence? So this was named after the mythical northern home of the Aryan race, and the Nazis were fascinated with the polar regions. And the Thule Society is where they took the cultural views of the Ananerbi, but then they also incorporated legends like Atlantis and the Hollow Earth and everything like that. So. Have to talk a little bit about anti-gravity. So at the end of World War II, about a quarter of a million Nazis completely disappear. They never actually found them. Quarter of a million. And the bell. And, yeah. And nice. so one of the most prominent one to disappear was Nazi SS leader Hans Kommler. So he was in charge of all of the Nazi special programs. And so he disappears while they were working on what they called the Vril, which was basically their idea of energy that pervaded all of space and time, which we would consider maybe zero-point energy today. And so a quarter of a million of them disappear, and we know that when President Trump was in office, they declassified more of the JFK assassination files. Not all of the good ones, but enough And inadvertently in some of those files, they found that the CIA was pursuing leads that Hitler had escaped to Argentina. So it didn't prove that he did, but it did prove that they were suspect enough of the Soviet claim that they found Hitler's body, that they were at least looking for Hitler in Argentina. Which has been proved not to be his body, by the way. Right. It's like a female skull. Yeah, because like the... Can we do whoa, a quick whoa, whoa. Did you just gender it? Yes, we did. We can do. They probably <laughs> found her hip bones. Well, didn't isn't like some of the bones are in Russia, and don't we have some of them? No, there's only there's only a Russia fragment of the skull left. And Russia has it, right? Because well, see, there's Putin allegedly there's allegedly a picture <laughs> of Hitler with a bullet wound to the head. Right. But some people think this was Gustav Veller, which was one of his body doubles. So what happened is after the war. Because Berlin got divided east-west. So the Soviets, because they got to the bunker first, they burned the body and then they buried it. But when it got to the point that they were going to, that the Soviet Union was starting to fall apart and Berlin was going to be reunified, they were worried that that was going to become basically a mecca for modern-day neo-Nazis. They dig the body back up. Is that where you're going on vacation? (laughs) (laughs) They burn it again and they throw it in the nearby Elbe River. So the only piece of Hitler that supposedly survived that was the skull, a fragment of the skull. And then they did DNA testing on it. And as Brad said, 
the DNA matched that of a 28-year-old woman. So, <laughs> Well, science doesn't well, know well. what a woman is. <laughs> <laughs> what what well, is a woman okay. right now? So did you watch, was it Finding Hitler or with Chasing Ken- Hitler? With Kennedy. Uh, yeah, with Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. He was like a Navy SEAL or UFC, Special Forces. He was a special Forces UFC, UFC dude. Um, like, I watched it. So they go to Germany. The night before Berlin falls, like, all these airplanes, German airplanes, are taken off. One of them is loaded down with all of Hitler's personal effects. Oh. Right? And then he walks the tunnels from the bunker to the airport. The tunnels went that far? Yes. So, it, like, he, like some of them are, like, in subways now and stuff, but he they take them all the way to the airport. Yeah. Story goes, he goes to Portugal because they had a big U-boat. Mm-hmm. plant uh-huh. there yeah the u-boats disappear yep he comes to argentina where they resurface months later yeah so he's walking in the jungles of argentina he finds this sweet ass abandoned house with like swastika tiles in the bathtub and it would have been someone important right yeah. they're like metal detecting they find nazi coins they find like all this shit yeah they go into these towns they're finding like there's, there's like flags. German well, there was flags. Like a lot of them have German like, names. Yeah, so that was a big yeah, German. Yeah. They actually Street recruited German. from there. Mm-hmm. There was a giant monastery with like eight foot walls. Well, like in the bell tower, there was like a big swastika up there. <laughs> yeah. So that like they like walked all these paths to like where they could have brought him, and they went to this old farmhouse where the dude was like, "Yeah, this was like an underground railroad for Nazis." Like, yeah. it takes him down in the basement. There's like shit carved in the walls. It's really interesting, which half the other dudes get caught down there. Yeah. And I was gonna, you mentioned Underground Railroad. A lot of people don't realize the Vatican and the Catholic Church was at the forefront of smuggling these Nazis out. They were the so-called rat lines. And basically the Catholic Church, because the Germans were Catholic and it apparently that took priority over exterminating six million Jews. Well, they right. killed but, Christ. <laughs> yeah, they were getting them IDs. They, yeah, they went. To, they had networks to get them out. I think they were in Italy at like a church. They were oh, in yeah. Portugal. There was a Catholic monastery yeah. that they were showing how they funneled. They were, oh, the Vatican helped them get out. For yeah. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we did, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally brought the dude that created the rocket that they dropped thousands of in in England Mm -hmm. on our bodies, Mm -hmm. and we brought him here like, you're now the head of NASA. One of the more infuriating pictures I've seen, it was in the book called uh, Dark Mission. It was all about uh, NASA and what's really going on, and it was a very accurate chronology of bringing the Nazis here, but there's a picture of the Nazis at White Sands, New Mexico. Because before NASA actually got set up, first they took them to Fort Bliss, Texas, then on to White Sands, New Mexico, and they made them U.S. citizens. And so the cover story that you're always given is, well, like for Werner von Braun, he didn't really want to use these rockets for Mm -hmm. purposes of evil. He was just into the science, but he got pushed into this. Well, then pictures start to surface of Von Braun wearing a Nazi SS uniform. Like, you only got into the SS if you were, like, the most devoted, idealistic Germans. And so uh, they showed a picture of these guys at a bunkhouse in Fort Bliss, and it basically said Fort Bliss up there. And then there was just a swastika carved right into the wood. And like, that's what's frustrating because you're always told, well, as soon as they came here, they were so happy to be free of the Nazis. They love being U.S. citizens. Like, they brought all they of brought those beliefs here. here. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did And they that. taught them 
in our colleges and our hospitals mm-hmm. and everywhere. Well, remember that show we you we liked? It was uh, oh, on Amazon. Al Pacino, and they were like Nazi hunters. Yeah, I think it was called Nazi hunters. But like, I think well they made <laughs> yeah. I think they made that because people were starting to come aware of this. Yeah, paperclip. Like people were starting to be aware that this happened. Yeah, and they made it like so cartoony, like. So that when like you right. or me talk or Jim talks about it, people are like, oh yeah, like that TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, real funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like there was a Nazi congressman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there probably was. Yeah, there still are, dude. Yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> but then when, uh, you were talking about the not interesting story. The com- comedian Louis C.K. was on a podcast I was listening to, and he was talking about when he was on SNL, and they would go to this, like they had like his room, you could go like smoke or whatever and hang out. It was like in the bowels of the building right. where there's like, you could see the the girders and shit. On the one girder, there was Nazi on the steel. Like it was a Nazi. Ah, they a they got it from Germany probably. When it, right. They said wow. that then like five years later, he went back and it was fucking grinded off because he talked about it so much. They, they <laughs> Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that's. Well, I mean, if you look at the Nazis, dude, like Puma. Nazi. Mm-hmm. Bear. Mm-hmm. Bear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, IBM. IBM. Mm-hmm. Uh Adidas, I think it was it. Uh, who who made the uniforms for the SS? Hugo Boss. Hugo, Hugo Boss. Boss. Yeah. When it, They're it all wasn't, still here. Uh, People are still buying right? them. And it's not even just the Nazi companies, but it was also the Americans who were idealizing the Nazis. Like Henry Ford's the perfect example. Like the urban legend is Adolf Hitler had two pictures of other men in his office, and one of them was Henry Ford. And like people don't really think about this, but. Were it not for what Ford did, the World War II may have ended much quicker than that. Um, I read, and this was interesting, that for airplane fuel, it required a certain lead additive. And this lead was found nowhere in Nazi Germany. Only the Allied countries had it. And so if the Germans had not gotten that, the Luftwaffe would not have been able to fly anymore. And so Ford had it. And so what Henry Ford did, because you couldn't trade directly with Germany, is he would trade with Switzerland and then from Switzerland, which was officially neutral, then it got <laughs> on to Germany. And so you've got all these American companies out there where despite all the atrocities that the Nazis did, they completely idealized what they were doing. And were it not for them, the war would have been over yeah, a well, lot the quicker. Bushes the were Bushes were bankrolling. The, yeah, the, the old the man bank, Bush. The, the bankers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that, It all comes down to the war machine, dude. They need that every... Yep. I think... I th- We've talked about this. I think... The world needs these because if not, you have uprisings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So every so many years, you need to kill off millions of 20 to 30-year-olds because 20 to 30-year-olds come out and go, man, I just went to college and houses are too expensive. I can't get a car. What's that? That sows discontent and hatred in your society. Like we're... We're on that precipice. Like our twenty to thirty year olds can't afford what we could afford when we were twenty. So just, what happens? You have these major upheavals in society. How do you call that? World War. World War. The number I just saw this morning is fascinating. Was an eighty year cycle because eighty years ago was World War Two. Eighty years before that, Civil War. Eighty years before yeah. that, Revolutionary War. And it's basically happening in eighty year cycles. And it's not just resetting the finances but when you actually look at all of these globalists the number one priority even over the war is population control and reduction well 
what a better way to reduce the population right. than just have a great big old world war. So if that 80 year model continues, like we should be right on the precipice. And we so the problem one. is now the wars can lead to way too many deaths. Like nuclear wars, if they're even. Yeah. yeah, we know. We know your theory. You don't even think they're real. No, I don't believe in nuclear bombs. Either. I don't think anybody <laughs> would use them, even if they are real. Well, and I've read enough <laughs> that if other civilizations are out there, other civilizations have basically Stopped come here us. and said, yeah. this is not, this is not going to happen. Right. You're not, because one of the neat theories I've read is if you get into multidimensional ideas about the universe is nuclear weapons are so powerful that they are affecting well beyond our three or four dimensional reality. And that is affecting other civilizations. And so there's a number of really interesting stories of UFOs basically disabling yeah, the nuclear um, at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana. They activated the nukes, then turned them off. And then I had read that it trickled out after the fact that they were all disabled or the Rendlesham Forest UFO that sighting in 1980, the UFO actually shot a beam of light down at the feet of the American soldiers that went out to inspect it, including Colonel Charles Holt, who I got to meet one time. He was pretty cool. And then I had found out after the fact that where the UFO shot the beam of light down, that was a huge nuclear stockpile under the ground. And after that event, all of those nuclear weapons were inoperable too. So... Uh, the theory is out there that we partly haven't been back to another nuclear war. Other civilizations will let us use the more limited weapons we have, but that's just totally off the table at this point. Do you, do that make you, do you think aliens are more, well, we're getting off topic again, but like other dimensional or from other planets? I think they're more another dimension, like they're coming from another dimension. That's That's the really popular theory out there in ufology now. I mean, I personally think... It might be a mix, but you've got the other plants idea. You've got multidimensional. You've even got future humans where Come they back. are basically us after, you could say after nuclear war, after our environment deteriorated, after we evolved. And people claim the reason that the last couple decades have seen such an influx of UFO sightings is future humans coming back to sample the pure human gen genome Semen. prior prior, prior to, to it yeah <laughs> it no longer being pure anymore they go pump that sweet sweet semen. <laughs> there's even the Have you ever see the trump thing the baron trump which oh one? the book oh the book from like 1905 that's <gasps> yes, like it, really, I did see it literally that. looks like baron yeah is that nuts yeah yeah and then there's another well, book he, where elon where there's a uh civilization on mars and it's run by a man named elon it's like an old yeah. book too. then there's even this one's pretty popular now is the demonic hypothesis have you guys heard of the collins elite no collins elite's pretty nuts so do you i mean i'm sure you've heard like back in the 1950s when you've got um occultists out there like alistair crawley and jack parsons who started jpl labs who work with nasa so they're starting to do. Go figure. That's what that's what started by you know yeah. occultists and right. Nazis and uh, yeah. So they're they're doing all kinds of occultish stuff, and at the same time, that's when people start to really report like the gray extraterrestrials like they, and everything. Like, like open a portal and let them in. Yes, and so Collins Elite, basically this think tank of scientists, is con is contacted by U.S. intelligence, and no joke, they basically said, hey. 
we think that we may have accidentally opened a window into hell itself and we don't know how to close it. Can you look into it? Because Can you the, look into it? What, yeah. That is typical hey. government one. Because hey. hey. <laughs> one of the creepy things with Aleister Crawley, I don't know if you've ever seen these drawings, but like when he talked about the being that he had contacted, yeah, yeah, yeah. he called it Lam, L-A-M. Yeah. And like you see the drawing, it basically looks like a gray alien. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's Didn't another him and uh, a Nazi get into like a witchcraftery fight? It was a, a, a yeah, wasn't it like one of Hitler's right hand man? Didn't yeah, he like wh- fly clear in, over into? Yeah, what the hell was his name? It was the uh, I can't think of his was name. He the head of the SS. What the one who flew into England? Yes, yes, and like, no, not Hess. Oh shit! And like crashed his plane in the countryside. Oh, I know. He just wanted to see Alice like that. They were like they like did magic battles. Yeah. They had cards Shoot. and shit. I can see the guy. <laughs> they met at Hogwarts. And... <laughs> oh, Quibitch. I can't think of the Quidditch. guy's name. It is Hess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was right. Hess. It was yeah, Rudolf, Rudolf Hess. Hess. Yeah, yeah. Because officially, why Hess did that is, and Hitler was pissed when he found yeah. out. He was furious. But Hess had this infatuation with Hitler, and he thought there was a chance he could single-handedly end the war. Right. I'm going to fly into England. I'm going to single-handedly broker this peace with Winston Churchill, and this is just all going to be over. No, he was having a magic battle with uh, Aleister Crowley. There were having sex fucking orgies and doing Dude, that's a theory like people yeah. said that like, they like he was like a magician like whatever yeah, the they hell, were like dark, dark, their dark yeah. magic Wiccan or whatever well when you read like i've read i have a couple books on remote viewing which have you guys talked about remote viewing on the show some not, not on the show but i've heard i know about it well but speaking about battles kind of like out there in the ether or cyberspace but so the united states had trained remote viewing teams. The Soviet Union had trained remote viewing mm-hmm. teams. And one of the interesting things is when the United States was trying to remote view classified Soviet installations, they said, for starters, the Soviets already had countermeasures on remote viewers. They said they would remote view certain rooms in their facilities and there was just a black box on the wall. And they didn't know what the black box was, but anytime they saw that black box, they couldn't see past it. But what was really fascinating to me is sometimes they would accidentally run into Soviet remote viewers out there. And the neat thing is, from the perspective of the U.S. remote viewers, the Soviets all looked like orbs. And I found that fascinating because in ufology, the idea of orbs always comes up. And I thought to myself, what if orbs aren't actually physical spaceships? What if those are other advanced civilizations essentially remote viewing us? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy stuff. I've listened to a podcast where a guy was talking about his dad was a remote viewer, and he was a couple times he was like remote viewing, and like other entities started talking to him. Yeah, like he was like freaked out. That's what that's about. about. That's that's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there have been cases where people will be remote viewing extraterrestrials. The extraterrestrials pick up and then know that they're there. Right. Most of the time, from what I've read. They know they're there, and the remote viewers say they feel no threat by it. They just know they're there. But there's a couple times pretty terrifying. The remote viewer came back out of it, and then whatever was there like came to them, yeah. followed them to check in on what was actually going yeah, on. Yeah, that's this guy was talking about. Like it was like he was like a possession almost. Yes, yes, absolutely. That'd be crazy. But Brad had mentioned the U-boats. Is it cool if we get into Antarctica? Because yeah, where that's all what we're here for. All right, all right, all right. So. There's always been a big Nazi interest in Antarctica. They officially started to explore it 
around 1938 or so, and they called it Neuschwabenland, which meant like basically like the new motherland. And so the theory, which you alluded to, is at the end of World War II, a bunch of Nazis basically fled there. Um, this was called, have you guys heard of the Black Fleet? No. Yeah, I think oh, I heard of it. Yeah. Black Fleet is pretty wild. So basically, even though Nazi Germany officially surrenders, if you think about it, there's not one like, okay, everybody just lay right. down your weapons. It's over now. There were about 40 U-boat captains. Oh, yeah, they were like, the hell with this. Like, we're going to continue to fight on. We can stay in these U-boats for a really long time. And so that was basically the Black Fleet. So like, even after the Germans officially surrender, these U-boats continue to do battles, continue to raid shipping lanes. And so there has always been this rumor that the United States started to intercept these U-boats bound for Antarctica, and they were carrying the elusive red mercury. Have you guys heard of red mercury? It's they using the bell. Yeah. So this was anti gravity bell. And so whatever. nobody really knows for sure what red mercury was. Some people think it was called red mercury because it was actually colored red. Some people say it was called red mercury because it came from the Soviet Union, so hence the Reds. And so before you think that it's totally an urban legend, Samuel Cohen, who is the founder, the inventor of the neutron bomb, which is terrifying. They've never once detonated one, but if you read on neutron bombs, totally terrifying. Sucks all the oxygen out. So he said that he said that red mercury was real. He said they basically took mercury and mixed it with radioactive waste. And then when you spin it really fast in a centrifuge, it would basically have anti-gravity properties. So what we do know about the Germans is they at least had blueprints for anti-gravity discs. So these are called the Hanabu. There were at least four of them. And the blueprints were recovered from Nazi Germany. The big debate is whether or not they actually made one. Brad, you had mentioned the bell. That kind of comes into play. Can you tell us a little bit about the bell? I just know that it was it, a similar in shape to a bell. And they used it. They, I don't know if it was like their time travel or their anti-gravity. Like it would float. But I, I mean, I never really got into it too much more than... No, what you said is perfect because there's a big debate. Was the bell another Hanabu or was it actually a German time machine? So quick, interesting take on the Hanabu. You can see here in studio, I've got a picture. Ravel, the model maker, used to actually sell a model of the Hanabu. And they stopped selling it because there was political backlash because people said... You can't make this model. It's giving Nazi Germany too much credit for something they didn't officially do. <laughs> so you can still buy the model. I actually have one of them, but they're really, really hard to find now. Well, so okay. for the listeners, the Hanabu looks like a like traditional a, spaceship. Like a Thank alien you for saying spaceship. that. Yeah. 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 No, I'm glad that you said that. So just Google images of the Hanabu, the blueprints. It looks like a traditional UFO. Don't do it at work. <laughs> yeah. Especially work for the government. Yeah. One of the interesting things I read about the Hanabu is the Germans didn't have trouble getting the anti-gravity part down. The problem came in when they were trying to put these huge World War II era guns on them. Oh, and the yeah. weight distribution of the guns was messing everything up. What a lot of people don't know is the Nazis also had blueprints for what they called the Andromeda craft or the Andromeda machine. And so you can see in studio the scale of this thing. It looked like a huge cigar-shaped ship that could carry multiple Hanabus inside of it. And so some people think that's basically what we're seeing today. The Tic Tacs-like. 
Because right after World War II, all across Sweden, Finland, Norway, they saw ghost rockets, they called them, which looked very, very similar to this. Now, one of the interesting takes, and I just got this just from say that. Len Caston's book, Dark Fleet, which I've read a couple of his books. He has a really good one called Secret Journey to Planet Serpo. This one's all about the, the German space program. And so he said, and initially this sounds nuts, he said that they actually repurposed German U-boats with anti-gravity engines and made those into spaceships, which initially sounds ridiculous. But if you think about it, a submarine has to be airtight. Yep. It's got to be totally self-contained. You've got to have life support on board. Basically, like most of the things that you need from a spacecraft, the U-boats have already actually covered there. So I found that pretty interesting. So they end up going down to Antarctica. And the bell is interesting, too, because can you guys like share a little bit about what you know about the Kecksburg UFO crash? This is like Pennsylvania. That, that's the one in Pennsylvania where they found mm -hmm. the, like it was like a bell. Yeah. And so what's crazy about it is if you do a side by side of what people claim the Kecksburg acorn looked like yeah. versus a Nazi bell, they're pretty identical. And so some people say the Kecksburg acorn had basically what looked like hieroglyphs on it. But some people say those weren't hieroglyphs. Those are basically Nazi occult symbols. So some people think this is why a quarter of a million Nazis actually disappeared because they were actually starting to time travel or the United States was uh, starting to dabble in that. So that brings me to Richard Byrd. And this is where we finally get this is into where the we're on his Earth. boat right now. This is it. So has anybody got anything on Bird? JB loves Bird. JB, give it. I mean, I'm give talking it, too much. Tell us about Bird. No, the main story I always liked about him was when he he has a story of flying into the into the hole and meeting with extraterrestrials. Essentially. Yes. Yes. Right. So yeah. I always liked the fact that we just got done fighting a world war. And they're like, hey, we're just going to send you down to Antarctica real quick to take a peek around. Cause, it's totally cool. You know, why, why else? I mean, you've been you haven't been home in three years. Go ahead and uh, take our boats and, and go ahead and fly down there and check it out. I've been friends with Brad long enough. I love the dumb government voice. <laughs> like, anytime Brad is representing the government, that's the voice that he goes with. Yeah. It's incredible. So, Bird was a prolific explorer. He made the first transatlantic his, his first transatlantic flight Lindbergh beat him by only one month and he is also the first attempted flight over the north pole he also made five different expeditions down to antarctica but there's a couple that i wanted to touch on and so for people listening and i did this for the audience in my presentation i did really quickly want to differentiate between the north and south pole because some people get them confused and some people think that they're both the same. And officially, they're totally well, different from each other. One has penguins, the other one doesn't. Yeah, do you know which one has penguins? Nope. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's, I think back to, like, the Gary Larson Far Side comics with, like, polar bears and penguins. Right. Which, I love that guy, but polar bears are only at the North Pole, penguins right. are at the yeah, South Pole. Yeah, you can't, no, polar bears cannot eat a penguin because they're not near each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. right I mean, right, they right. could eat one, right, 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 like right, right. they're the Pittsburgh Zoo or whatever. Right. But. <laughs> so the North Pole, officially no land mass underneath it. South Pole is freaking crazy. The South Pole, not only do we have Antarctica, do you guys know how high Antarctica is? Yes, it's 14, 
is it 12 or 14,000 feet? There's one, there's, yeah. it's one of the highest mountains in the world. It's yeah. like the fifth highest. It is, it is 16,000 16. feet high on average. So I looked this up for perspective. Antarctica would be the seventh tallest mountain in the United States. So, like, when so you, you have to make me look bad with facts, like, well, exact they, high. No, you're supposed to say 14,000. I said the fifth highest. Well, don't they say they have like seven. a, a, like a <laughs> there's a mountain that had like, Produces like magnetic pole or something too. Oh, there's all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff down there. We that's why we're not allowed to fly over it. The other crazy <laughs> thing is the South Pole is 764 miles from the nearest coastline. So, like when you hear about these explorers that reach the South Pole, think how badass this is. Like most people, if they were at 16,000 feet, would not be able to walk hardly at all because the air is so thin. These guys are at 16,000 feet. And then they're traveling. Like, I would get tired driving 764 miles in my car. That would take right. me many days. I might fall asleep at the wheel. They're doing this on foot and on dog sleds. So, like, we're just used to the world being so accessible today. For these first men that actually reached the South yeah. Pole, that is, like, the most badass thing ever. I always wonder, too, like, you have all these people who traversed the world yeah. east to west. Right. But we have nobody that went north to south. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's and, and if you think about it, was, that's if, the if I'm earth. flying, if I leave, yeah, that's my flat Earth theory. Well, that is, just well, it's not a theory. No, that's not a theory. That's I a, know. that dudes will say if you want to prove it's not flat, just fly north to south. Right. But my my always question was if I leave the East Coast uh-huh. and fly east, uh-huh. at what point do I turn west? When you cross the Prime Meridian. Okay. I, would I was just wondering. I don't know. No, what I like, though, what you said is nobody's explored north-south because, like, I'm very much about old-school navigation. Like, I teach students in class how you can actually calculate longitude, which people don't realize was crazy tough because right. uh, chronographs were not invented for a really long time. And so they basically had to ballpark it, and that's how sextants came into play. But the reason I bring this up is... Like a it's way easier to be able to tell your latitude, at least in the northern hemisphere, because you got the North Star. Right. It was way more difficult to tell east-west longitude. So to your point, it would have been a hell of a lot safer for people to explore north-south than east-west. Now, I can see not going north or south because they're getting cold. Yeah, right. But why, and today, right uh-huh. now, uh-huh. You, you cannot jump in an airplane... And fly around the world, north, north to south. And no one's ever, at least officially, no one's ever. You can't do it now because they have that treaty where you can't fly over the. Uh, but it's south only pole. certain sections, though. I do have a little bit on that. So the one that, that Justin had mentioned was Bird's North Pole Expedition. So this happened May 9th, 1926. So Bird and his co pilot, Bennett, make the first official We're flight. We're the co pilots, dude. We. <laughs> interesting thing this is debated though and this gets shady with bird because what they found in bird's diary is he had the sextant positions of the sun written down because if you're flying during daytime you can't see the north star you've got to measure angle of the sun he then erases those and puts updated ones and some people think that the sun was not low enough for him to actually be at the North Pole. So he went back after the fact and tweaked the height of the sun so that he got the discovery. But with that being said, this is where the unofficial account comes in. So 
you had mentioned it earlier, Jay. Tell us about when Bird and Bennett are flying north. What happens? They're seeing a hell of a lot more than just like harsh polar landscape. Right. What they, do they see? They come across and there's like green plush land and there's like a, a big like lake. Mm-hmm. And that's when he says uh, spaceships come out of the ground and they start shooting. Planes. Out of the cavern. Uh, well, it's like a cavern. Yeah, but shoot planes down. Wait, you're thinking, be careful though. You're thinking of Operation High oh, Jump, which is at the yeah. South well, Pole. That's what, you're talking about high. You, I'm that's what we've done more of. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. So I, th- no, I think we're sorry, in the high jump. Because it's easy to conflate the right. two. So the North Pole one. Oh, I'm an idiot. No, no, you're <laughs> I'm right. You're fired. I'm stupid. So he starts to see he starts to see this lush green vegetation, supposedly sees, this is fascinating, prehistoric looking animals yeah, right. like roaming these hills. And then to the best of his description, the airplane is basically taken under some type of tractor beam. And it's taken down into this big hole that he sees in the earth. And so there's a couple different versions of this. And I tried to research them all. So the plane he's flying, he called the Josephine Ford after his wife. It was a German-built Fokker monoplane. (laughs) Them Germans. (laughs) So they're taken down into the earth. And Bird and Bennett, while the plane is suspended, are basically warned by these Got to be careful calling them extraterrestrials. We could just call them inner earth beings. Do they look like Nordics? Like he explains them like? I don't think these. I don't know if these ones look more Nordic or if these ones are more like your classic gray alien. That's a good question. I can't remember. I thought I. Well, he is at the North Pole. That would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have to look into that. Well, I thought they. Well, I could be wrong. I thought they said something about him, like having like the, like, you know, like the blue like the blondish hair yeah you you could be right on that one um so they warn them about the dangers of nuclear weapons and they say they will intervene to protect earth their native home so the idea of this is we are actually the extraterrestrials now version two monoplane comes in and it's automatically guided to an airstrip inside this hollow area inside the earth this big hangar Bird leaves Bennett in the cockpit and goes with the beings and he goes down an elevator into a similar briefing and then Bennett stays on the plane and he's basically given the same message like watch out for nuclear weapons and then he's actually taken out. What year was this again? This was 1926. Oh, okay. So then what they called the Earth, the inner Earth, they called it Agartha. And so he recorded this in his diary pages of the diary were kept classified upon his return now where you're getting into is operation high jump jump. so post-world war ii germany's defeated japan's defeated they never really mentioned the italians italians (laughs) well that's because they were just like "Ah, forget about it (laughs) they just hung Mussolini up in the street no one cared you know funny thing about just world war ii history the axis powers were basically linked in name only but a lot of them did not communicate back and forth with each other. Right. Like the Japanese were pissed because the Nazis never told them when they were going to invade Russia, and like the the three countries didn't really communicate with each other a lot. Which I Do thought you know was why Iran's called God. Iran. It was a gift to Hitler. Really? Yeah, because it was used to be called Persia. Yeah. As a gift to Hitler, we called it Iran, which means Aryan. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Look at the Brad laid up. Because <laughs> I'm blonde hair, blue eyes, but I'm about two inches too short. Sorry, guys. I was working at a lady's house one time. She was a, she's an old lady. She was mm. this is probably 
15 years ago. She was old, like 80s. And she says she remembers her mother and dad taking her in Italy. She had she spoke with an Italian accent. Yeah. And she saw Mussolini hanging in the street. Nice. You know, they strung him with piano. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they hung him up. Did they really? Yeah. Yeah, they hung, they hung him and Italian his girlfriend ever. or whatever, yeah. wife or whatever. In you the know, plaza. Crazy thing, uh, speaking at all these UFO conferences over the years, after you speak, people want to come up and like tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Even, like, it gets a little bit exhausting because like between speakers, you like try to walk through the lobby and like people are just like tracking you down. Like by the end of the conference, you're like kind of like walking through with your head down. You need like, like a you need like a hoodie yeah. and sunglasses, yeah. like Ted Kaczynski. Uh, but it's like the sunglasses crazy sunglasses and Hitler mustache. <laughs> the crazy thing, like I, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but like that's like the one day a year that in this one small area people like know me and recognize me. It's freaking exhausting, and I just think these actual real celebrities that are actually really well known people, right. it makes you feel every day a little bit bad because you're like, like. It happens to me one day a year, and I can't wait for it to be over. To have that every single day of your life. And the other thing is they're finally in a room where a dude will believe them. Because they're probably surrounded with people who are like, okay, here comes the freaking UFO story yep. again. They want we all know you were outside on the swings, you know. Right. So people probably just look at him like, you know, crazy and Kathy, yeah, you know. I've had people tell me stories. I'm like, well, you're lucky you're telling me because most people would think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, whack. I, I think yeah. this is great. <laughs> but, you know, the reason I brought this up, you mentioned blonde hair with blue eyes. Almost every single time somebody tells me an abduction story, blonde hair, blue eyes. And some of these people really are, are, are part crazy. But you like, you look at them, you're like, you know what? If these abductions are real, there has to be something in this lineage, this bloodline, these genes that whoever is taking them is out for the because Nordic. almost every single person that shared that story with me, very, very similar appearance, which is crazy. So Operation so they look High like Jump- Justin. What's that? They look like Justin. I'd say they look more like you. I would say you. you have <laughs> but I have a red beard. What's that? I have red beard, though. I guess. Is it red? It's reddish, is yeah. Is it? All right. Sorry. So I'm definitely yeah. Nordic. Yeah. I have blue hair. And no. I have or, no... My hair's eyes. falling out. So like, saying, they're, they have, were like, that guy's got bad genes. I, saying, I have blue blue eyes falling out hair. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want my don't sweet, like, sweet genes. <laughs> they, they don't want my freaking Hulk Hogan hair. <laughs> they come visit me, but they don't ever pump my... Yeah. my <laughs> My seed. <laughs> the sweet freaking Valkyrie aren't pumping your seed from you. <laughs> so Operation High Jump. This is the biggest post-military, or I'm sorry, post-World War II military exercise of the time. So Admiral Byrd is now promoted to Rear Admiral. He is rear. leading an expedition... <laughs> He's Some of these a, things, I'm like, I, I know, I know they're gonna say it. I'm saying said, it anyway. Yeah, you said cockpit earlier. I let it, it go. <laughs> what did I say earlier? Cockpit. I just let it go, man. What did I say co- oh, I yeah, you're fine. You left him in the cockpit. I didn't say nothing. I was, I, I grew up for that minute. I, I went uh, cock. <laughs> you're like a freaking 14 year old teenage girl, dude. <laughs> 69. <laughs> so right, 69. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, what's that mean? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> So Byrd has the command of 4,700 men, 13 ships, and 33 aircraft. And officially, this is just to scout the Antarctic coastline. 
Just a two, side note, real quick. Yeah. On that, yeah. those numbers. Yeah. Sixty-nine. No. Dinner, <laughs> like an air for two. carrier today. Yeah. Has like twenty-five hundred people on it. Three thousand people on it. So oh, like, yeah. they're, how they're many ships cities. he had? Right. Like. Right. That's a small number of people. Seven thousand. But that was I mean, World the, War II I was standards, on, though, right? Like right? I'm, I'm saying, I was on a boat yeah. that was, uh, you could land a helicopter on it, and it had hovercrafts on, you know, in the, yeah. in the back. But um, there were probably 1,400 people on that sucker. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like so, compared to he well, had 7,000 guys and 23 boats. Like right. that's not they're that like many. tiny boats. Yeah. yeah you would what think. was the capacity back then of like the bigger carriers? Like you know what? I'd, ha- I'd have to like I don't know. You almost have to look that up. Yeah. Maybe a okay. maybe like a, a thousand. Yeah. You know. Okay. Because probably most of the room was for aircrafts, whereas yeah. today we've learned, hey, we can fold these wings and you know. Right. I don't. I don't know. And they're right. bigger. They are definitely bigger. Right. They're well, like they- mini cities. Well, and the aircraft carriers were just really coming into vogue. Right. To, because, like, that's one of the Pearl Harbor it. conspiracies. Right, they moved all the... Yeah. Right, they make the big mm-hmm. deal about all the battleships being sunk, but all the aircraft right, carriers were, were safely out of there. Yeah, all so, the old ones. officially, this was to map the Antarctic coastline to find the spot for Little America 4. So, Bird had already done Little America 1, 2, and 3. I have his autobiography called Alone, which is freaking nuts. This is when he literally goes the whole way to the South Pole by himself. And he has got a base that I think was a couple hundred miles away. And he had brief radio transmission with him. Crazy thing, while he's there, his heater starts to malfunction. And so he starts to get carbon monoxide poisoning. And the guys at the advanced base back behind him realize it because he is starting to like slur over the communications. He's not making sense. Mm. So they go rescue the dude. So long story short, this guy's a total badass. So unofficially, this was to eliminate the last true pocket of Nazi resistance. And Justin, this is what you had gotten into earlier. As they're starting to fly over the Antarctic coastline, these Hanaboos come up out of a cave up out of the ice and with some type of particle beam technology just completely ripped the U.S. fleet apart. And so I read up on it officially on Operation High Jump. I think about five men died. And that was basically equipment malfunctions. Somebody accidentally got run over by something. One airplane crash. But unofficially they lost hundreds of men and the interesting thing that is official this expedition set off in 1946 <laughs> late 1946 within two months they turned around and officially it was a particularly harsh winter so they turned around early but imagine mobilizing almost 5,000 men a whole armada for like a year-long mission and within two months you come yeah. back now, maybe people at home are listening. They're like, yeah, but you know what? Like, the winters could be really harsh. It gets really bad. Here's what was interesting. When As soon as Berg gets back, he's a totally changed man. He then goes to the media, which some people think the government did not like, and he starts warning publicly about an invasion of the country by hostile planes coming from the polar regions because this isolationist policy 
is what always made Americans feel safe during World War II. And that's why Pearl Harbor was such a wake-up call. It's like, well, we got the Atlantic over here, the Pacific over here. Nobody's going to attack us. Now Bird is basically saying the whole game has changed. We can be attacked from the polar region. And he basically said, "I have this is a quote, I have to warn my compatriots the time has ended when we were able to take refuge in our isolation and rely on the certainty the distances, the oceans, and the poles were a guarantee of safety. And so the last twist I have on Bird, I mentioned this earlier, some people think the high jump part wasn't actually the real part. They say that was the cover. And this is crazy because at the time, Bird is actually back up at the North Pole going back down into that hole that he found and he's re-exploring that area. So this is an actual excerpt from Bird's diary. This is March 11th, 1947. Interestingly, only a couple months before the Roswell crash. I've attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I've stated fully my discovery and the message from the master. All is duly recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours. I am interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. It was an ordeal. I'm placed under strict control via the national security provisions of the United States of America. I am, he put this in all capital letters, ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on behalf of humanity. Incredible. I am reminded that I am a military man and must obey orders. And so version three, which pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. I dubbed this crystal city. It's similar to Bird's original account, but and it Superman. could be it could be a conflation of the two accounts. But here, Bird flies in and finds an entire crystalline city, and then he once again departs for a very very similar briefing, and so that's pretty interesting. Um, Wasn't that funny though? How we said earlier about Hollywood. Remember, like. Superman. Ah, oh, Superman came from the Crystal City. The Crystal. He, he has that little place he goes with all the right. crystals and shit. Yeah, and they're dropping all these. Little and it's off in the here. cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's right. It's like frozen. Yeah. Sorry. No. Well, well no. Would the North? What? Is it the North Pole that has sun the most? North and South Pole both will have periods of darkness okay. and then periods of just constant okay. sun. All right. Never but mind. isn't it interesting? Like when all the Earth pictures you see from like space. You never see the North or South Pole directly above. I'll, I'll cut ahead to that because sorry. no, don't be sorry at all because I had bum, that later bum. in the presentation. That's weird to me, and I can I can try my best to give both sides of the story on that one because we have a number of modern images that show what look like holes in the top of the Earth. So where the heck did holes. I put them? Here they are. All right. So these ones were pretty interesting. Let me do a current slide slide so you can see them. That is interesting. That's a picture from the say from. Well, it is, but I'll give you the the caveat for this one. Okay. This was NASA's ESA three satellite, January nineteen sixty seven. For people that can't see, it looks like Earth from Mm -hmm. the north, but there's a gigantic black hole in the center. Yes. Then this one, NASA's ESA seven satellite. November 1968. Once again, a huge black hole up at the top of it. Now, here's where this gets kind of interesting. So, Ray Palmer published a magazine back then on flying saucers. So, this is from the June 1970 issue. 
It was number 69. I'm just going to throw that out there. 69. Get her for two. So now here's the one counter argument I can give. They said this was not an individual picture. This was a NASA composite. Well, they're all composites, aren't they? Yeah. And the reasoning is if this were an individual picture, then you should have part of the Northern Hemisphere in darkness, nighttime, part of it in daytime. So they're basically saying that it's just a composite and they've blacked out the North Pole. But there's still, and it happens to this day. I pulled this from NASA's website. This is sea ice thickness 2022. And once again, you can see the sea ice thickness. Don't say about ice thickness because that gets you blocked on Instagram. Why? Because they every time you say oh, it, <laughs> that's against yeah, the, the narrative. You're right. I'm sorry. You can so talk about it. it's all at, right. You can say it all you want. No, <laughs> up at the top, it just NASA put a big empty hole and just wrote latitude limit, basically implying that that's the latitude limit of the satellite. Which but they can get above it and below it, and to the left and to the right. Hey, can, can, can you share, Brad? Can you share before we came on the air? You had mentioned seeing something online where. People had caught them basically adding, yeah, adding like, ice. Almost like they made it look like ice, but it kind of just looks like a blurry picture. Let's see if I if it's still on. Well, if you look in like Google Earth or whatever, it's all blurry. Even my planetarium now, get this. My planetarium can do almost anything now. Like we got an updated system. It's incredible. You zoom away from the Earth, for whatever reason, son of a gun, there's a big black spot over the North Pole. It's crazy. And it's like a perfect circle. Like yes. the later ones are perfect circles, which kind of, bugs me yeah you would you would expect some jagged edges or something like oh hey we tried to piece it together so it's right. actually oh, a yeah, video right. yeah. where you can see how they are like blurring it yeah but they're blurring it to make it almost look like like ice no oh, yeah yeah it looks like clouds almost. yeah so it looks like a cloudy day at the north pole yeah uh-huh but yeah it's, so it's in her. I mean, now the other extreme take I just saw the other day, which is exactly opposite of a hole and pole. This dude went back into the book of Genesis and he believes what's actually at the North Pole is a huge mountain, a black rock, because Genesis mentions four rivers flowing from, from this, this big mountain. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into black rock, like the huge hedge fund company and stuff. So that's a totally different take. But, um, there are those weird things up there at the pole. We have a lot of ancients basically talking about the hollow earth or like, for example, the Hopi Indians talked ant about. People. Yeah, the ant people. So they didn't say the whole earth was hollow, but they basically said there are these big hollow areas that the ant people would come out of and not only teach them, but during two different disasters, the Hopi were saved by the ant people when they were taken back underground when that was actually well, happening. That guy before the show was talking, we were talking about the polar... Mm-hmm. how the earth would flip flip or whatever you'd have to live underground that's like that whole ant people and the mud flood sorry it's okay no i was just going to talk about in la how like the underground lizard people and why yeah, there's no subway because they say they went down into these they found these tunnels and they were like lizard people living under the you mean actors live down there yeah <laughs> so there's no subways in there's LA there's no subways in LA the and that's what they say and they began there? it and then they came across these tunnels that had like the a people lizard have... people in it so they stopped all construction and that's why there's no subway in well, LA well and then that reminds me of the Dulce Wars you guys have heard of the Dulce Wars right yeah. yes how were we at we were no we're we're good 
Okay. No, no. I was just checking to see if we could do two. Oh, how much? Okay. Time is what? That? Why don't we? So we got into Hollow Earth, right? We yeah. nailed Hollow Earth. We nailed Hollow Earth good enough, you think? I'd say good enough. So maybe we could maybe we could have you back and we'll we'll get into the uh the Dulce Wars. Oh yeah. And some like other that. stuff then here. That sounds next good. Next episode. Sounds good. All right. You wanna run through our stuff, so Ashley, since we didn't do that in the beginning? This week in conspiracy at gmail.com. This week in conspiracy on Facebook, Instagram, Parlor, maybe. Gitter, yeah. Rumble, <laughs> Truth, and Minds, and this week in cons uh, is the Twitter. Like now. always, if you want to be a contributor, just send us stuff on Instagram or don't email. be a Fed. Don't be a Fed, Tim. Yeah, Tim from Victoria. Hey, Tim, we mentioned Australia once. Yeah. So. But uh, have a good week. Hey, and thanks, Jim, for coming. Thanks, guys. It was really nice to be back. Appreciate it. Peace. Peace. Peace.